This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? Do you have a lab partner yet? Is there a Jim Wang here? Wang. This is Wayne Chang. Wei Chen. He's a new student and he's Chinese, like you. He's going to tag along to all of your classes. I found seats for us. Come on. Except in math. He's way ahead of you in math. I just want to be a regular guy who does regular stuff. You made a new friend. Just <laughs> <laughs> thought this year was going to be different. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn and Arvin. And today we are reviewing something that we're both quite excited to talk about, actually. It's American Born Chinese, which is a loose adaptation of a graphic novel created by Kelvin Yu, uh, starring a number of pretty big stars, um, some newcomers as well. We'll get into it. I'm so glad you said loose adaptation because that's something that I wanted to talk about uh, later on in the show. But yeah, so this is one of those things that I wanted to watch. Um, and then I had no idea they even brought it out on Disney+. Plus. I was waiting for it and then they just decided to drop all the episodes one day. Um, and I only got to it because you recommended it um, and we decided to do it for the show, right? I'm so glad I did. I think it's one of my favorite Disney Plus shows. It's a top five show for me next to Loki and Star Wars and some of the big hitters, the big titles. Like everything about the the story, the production value, the, the acting, the performances, all of it works. But I don't know why it came out with basically no marketing and no buzz. And I don't know if it has a pop culture footprint. They didn't drop it on a weekly basis. Um, and I wanted to discuss like why and, and why you think that happened to a show with so much going for it. Like they, they packed this with a lot of firepower in terms of like big names in Hollywood. The easy joke is racism. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't actually know because I remember so American Born Chinese first came onto my radar um, because because the book was a big deal, I hadn't read it yet. Uh, Sharmila and I actually recently reviewed it on By the Book, so you can check out that episode if you've missed it. But um, So I've, I've recently read the book, but the reason why American Born Chinese came on my radar in the first place was because it kept promising the reunion of the everything, everywhere, all at once people, um, because they are mm -hmm. among other folks in the cast it's stacked as you said there is Michelle Yeoh there is Ki Hui Kwan there is Stephanie Shu so there are people who are fresh off an Oscar run although they said it was coincidental and so I, I knew this was coming but I didn't exactly know what it was going to look like or what it was going to cover and nothing really prepared me for this show which is a little bit coming of age story a little bit high school story um, and a lot Chinese mythology and journey to the west a lot of Chinese mythology. Um, and, and the way they do it, right, is like it's such a sweet way of um, writing a love letter, sort of. And they're paying tribute and they're doing it to show like, you know, this is what we grew up with and this is where we're drawing inspiration from. Um, but then they sort of modernize it for that sort of Disney template, which I both love and don't love so much mm. because I feel like it's very accessible. 
and I can watch it in a way that I can do it over dinner and I don't have to invest like 150% like I would a HBO show. But at the same time, I keep thinking like, there's so much in here that I feel could have been a lot better if it was a HBO show or if it was done by a studio like A24 when it comes to things like the culture, when it comes to racism, when it comes to certain characters that are in the book. I haven't read the book, but I've read about the book. Um, certain characters that are in the book that they decided not to have in the show because they didn't know how it would sit with audiences. And that's I think that's a Disney thing. It's a conversation that that studio is not ready to have, but I wish they did. I so, so wish they adapted this like 100% true to form. So... So, okay, the adaptation part is difficult, right? Because it was something that I wondered about with this one particular character um, who forms one strand in the in the graphic novel that in the show has been transformed. I, okay, before we get to that character, maybe it's worth explaining the story a little bit. So it focuses on Jin Wang or Wang. Um, Jin Wang, who is a high schooler, he's an Asian American who whose biggest desire seems to be to just be a normal kid, to just fit in, to not have to to feel so uncomfortable in his own skin. Uh, however, he gets dragged into a separate drama by Wei Chen, who is on a heavenly quest, <laughs> on on a heavenly quest to fulfill a destiny that his father, Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, um, could not do in his own time. He is watched over by the goddess of mercy, Kuan Yin, played by Michelle Yeoh. Um, the Monkey King, by the way, is played by Daniel Wu. We did tell you it was a stacked cast. That is the rough outline of the story. What a, what a synopsis. Like it started in one place and then it just went... It went somewhere. But that's the show, right? It does that. That's the show. That's the show. So I didn't know that it was that kind of a show. Um, I think I've mentioned before that I stopped watching trailers for things. So I thought it was like a coming of age thing. I thought I, I, I suspected there might be some elements of fantasy. Um, but I didn't know they were going like, oh, this is an actual heavenly quest. And there are like deities. And this is this is more than just like a person growing up and, and coming to find himself, which it also is. But a lot of it is like I, I don't I like how they don't westernize a lot of the cultural aspects of the mm, show. That was um, important you know? to me. Yeah. 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 So when they're explaining things like mythology or folklore, or stories, ancient stories, uh, they don't go out of their way to translate it for audiences who aren't aware, basically. So if you want to find out, then you have to go look it up. I wish they had stuck to that throughout the show because there are certain scenes where they're like, oh, practice your English. And then you see two characters start speaking to each other in English instead of Mandarin. And I was like, no, you, let's not let's not go back to 2005. Let's, you know, there are subtitles and you, you can stick to speaking in Mandarin. And you did it for half the show. People have gotten used to seeing the subtitles. Why not just stick to that throughout? So I didn't like the let's make it an accessible part. Mm. But the rest of it, I was like, oh, this is this is smart. This is nice. So the way that they did it with the mythology is also the way they do it with the family. And that's what I really appreciate because when Jin mm. is at home with his parents who are first generation immigrants, uh, you don't get the sense that they're trying to explain anything. Neither are they trying to make fun of chicken feet, which are in soup. And that's just part and parcel yeah. of, of life at home. Uh, they don't go out of their way to talk about how they came here, the immigrant struggle. I, I think that the way in which American-born Chinese plays up that kind of cultural difference, I see what you're saying about how sometimes it felt almost like they they felt the need to 
to tip the hat a little bit to other people mm. and say, hey, you can still understand it, right? It's all okay. But yeah. broadly speaking, the way it dealt with the subject of being an immigrant, um, the, the way it dealt with the different subjects of racism and how well-meaning it can come across, how people can be racists without being outright bullies, the experience of being a regular kid who is neither a victim nor at first a hero. I really like the way they did all of those things because you're dropped right in the middle of Jin's story. There's no real explanation about anything. No. And I think it's also important to remember that Jin is a teenager, which is something that I forgot for the first half of the Yeah, show. so you were annoyed by him. Yeah. I was so annoyed by him. I was so annoyed by him because I was like, look, there are priorities <laughs> that are literally happening here. One is like a cosmic reality defining event. And the other one is football. And I'm like, in the grand scale of things, let's, you know, let's stick with the cosmic heavenly quest, right? But I was like, no, this is a teenager who is, is hormonal and is having a bunch of problems at school and at home and is being torn from left to right, is trying to figure out who he is and his identity. And that's what being a teenager is like. And sometimes I think when watching these shows as an adult and you're so far from removed from being a teenager, I, I tend to forget. Personally, I tend to forget. And by the end of the show, I was like, okay, okay, he's a teenager. This is a story about teenagers and you should watch it with that teenage lens and then sometimes that's just them being stupid. Jin's interesting because he's the least interesting character and yet he's the hero. He so he I is. think that that's one of the key things about the story because literally everybody is more interesting than Jin himself. His parents are kind of sparky and well one of them is sparky and funny uh, but the other one has a, a deep struggle going on that's quite interesting to watch um, and then there are literal deities that are walking around and so they're always going to be more interesting but the fact that he was the hero made me feel sympathetic and empathetic for him so that when you were telling me about the irritation I I because as I was watching I kept thinking to myself I feel so sorry for this kid like what is up with you that despite everything else that's going on your first priority is am I going to make what he calls the soccer team and and I, I thought that that kind of push and pull made the show even more interesting so it worked for me can I just do a small it's not even a defense um the, <laughs> Okay, I really like Daniel Wu. I've always liked Daniel Wu as a performer. I think he's really charismatic. Um, I think he's turned in some really excellent performances. He's a, you know, he's a he's mm -hmm. an actor with a lot of presence. It made me very happy to see him on screen. Ivan, I'm telling you this. He cannot speak Mandarin. Oh, I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask if there were any characters, any actors in the show whose Mandarin okay. was not Mandarin to anyone who understands. Daniel Wu is not... I mean, he is speaking Mandarin, but it's it's it, it, it's not really super recognizable. And so I, I wonder how much of the language switches that uh, happen in the course of the show might be an adjustment to that. Because I think to an American audience, it's just going to be like, yeah, Chinese actor speaks Chinese. OK. Um, but the minute he opened his mouth, I was like, oh, and then I'm not even really a Mandarin speaker, but my father is. And he heard it and he went, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so, so, yes, there are layers to this thing. Um, which I guess is understandable, right? So now I kind of understand why a lot of it is in English. I was relieved. Okay, let me tell you, I was relieved whenever we swapped to English. 
Okay, so it's behind the scenes stuff. Okay, that makes more sense yeah. to me. I, I thought it was a creative decision, but now that I know this, I'm like, okay, let's not get him to speak Mandarin. <laughs> I, I thought it would make you feel better because truly when he first opened his mouth, I was like, is this going to last forever? This guy's from California. <laughs> like, we don't have to do this. Um, okay, so we're talking today about American-born Chinese, which is simultaneously high school show and also an adaptation of Journey to the West. Um, let us know if you've watched it, if you plan to. We both really liked it. Um, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and of course tweet us at BFM Radio. But films, man. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I may be able to help. What's going on? I'm not from this world. I need your help with my quest to stop the uprising. The gate between Earth and Heaven is opening. Okay! You must stop it or everyone will perish. The fate of your world hangs in the balance. I don't really see how I fit into this whole thing. You're my guide. Can we come up with something a little bit cooler than guide? Servant? Yeah, no, you're right. Guide's better. BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn and Arvin, and together we are talking about American-born Chinese, um, adapted for the screen by Kelvin Yu for Disney+. Plus. It is an adaptation of Jean Luen Yang's graphic novel. So um, can we talk a little bit about the lack of hype? Because I don't know if we've made it clear yet. This is a really good show. The production value is great. The acting is good. The storytelling and the writing, all excellent. So why wasn't this hyped up? I, I wish it was because it's been doing really well review-wise. I think it has like a 95 or 96% mm. on Rotten Tomatoes. Well-deserved. Uh, Well-deserved. Uh, it has so many think pieces about it, so many good interviews and podcasts with uh, creators on both sides, right? Um, and... I thought it would have come out with more fanfare. I don't know why. I'm suspecting that, and I don't want to, I have no idea, but I, I'm suspecting that maybe they thought it wouldn't do well, or maybe they thought the show itself wouldn't perform the way they wanted it to, because that's why this is a, 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 a platform that drops things on a weekly basis, and they just decided to drop everything like over a weekend which makes me think like they didn't have confidence in it. And I wish they did, honestly. So that bums me out, right? Partly because mm. the, as we've just said, all of it is good. But then also, um, Michelle Yeoh, Daniel Wu, Ki Hui Kwan, are all now Asian stars that are of a certain stature. Um, and so I... I guess my question is whether they would have treated other movie stars the same way. And, and that kind, that part bums me out as well. Yeah, same. Um, and it also, in such a meta way, it, it's doing what the show is talking about. Mm. Um, there is a, a subplot in the show that actually talks about these things and how shows like this get sort of like sidelined or how actors like this get sidelined. And it is like a racial thing, right? So it was a bit shocking for me to see this happen on Disney+. Plus. I'm like, you adapted the book and you brought this to the forefront and then you treat the show the way the show in the show is being a little bit, yeah. That, a little bit. A little bit is how it felt. And I, I think that the thing that also might 
lead to it is that American-born Chinese doesn't connect necessarily to the larger picture of Marvel or of Disney, right? Yeah. Because it is a, a standalone thing. It is, yeah, they are heroes. Yes, they are big villains, but it's all deeply cultural. Um, it's not necessarily, I mean, I suppose they could kind of tie it in some way if they wanted to eventually to something that's coming out in 2026. Like they, they've done all this before. They could do it. But right now it doesn't sit that comfortably. It's not like a Miss Marvel. And so I wonder whether that's also a part of it, which is, again, a pity because the show on its own is great. It, it's good. It's great. Um, it also does that thing where... I, so I was wondering this when watching episode four specifically. Oh, yeah. Which is like a real love letter to Hong Kong cinema, like old school Hong Kong cinema and the movies, right? Um, and I was thinking with so much attention to detail and so much dedication to something like that, you would have to know what they are parodying and what they are attributing to be able to understand or appreciate that episode. And I don't know for Western audiences, quote unquote, if an episode like that would just fly above their heads. And I'm not like generalizing. I'm not saying that, you know, people don't know cinema or whatever. I'm just saying that we are more familiar with mm. that sort of cinema. So I don't, I, I don't know if that was another reason why what happened to the show happened, lah, you know, and it has not much buzz going for it. So, but it is episodes like that that really made me love the show because it Same. made me think about the people behind the camera, the people writing it, the people making it and how, I mean, that episode in particular doesn't have the problem that you highlighted earlier. There is no attempt whatsoever to make it accessible. It's a standalone thing. It's done in a very particular and colourful style and you just deal with it. Lah. This is the story that we're telling in this episode and it's a, it, it's a very, if you know, you know thing. And for people in our region, most of us will know. So I I appreciated that it was like a shout out to um, the us's who are watching it, as well as to the people who would be in America who would still get it. And, and I really like that. I mean, I felt that way about the casting as well, to be honest, because the the two boys who are at the heart of the, the show, um, Jimmy Liu, who plays Wei Chen, and Ben Wang, who plays Jin Wang, um, are both really good and have great chemistry with each other. They're not, however, widely known. I think they're relative newcomers. I, I think they are too, but I hope they stick around because mm. I could see them in like, you know, big franchises and, and doing a lot. They are like really good actors. And then, of course, they are bolstered and supported by you. Michelle Yu, I thought was going to be a cameo, but she's in a lot of the episodes. She's doing a lot of the, the heavy lifting and then you see like a lot of familiar faces. I don't want to spoil uh, because it is fun to look at some characters in makeup, in a lot of prosthetics. And then you're like, wait, is that? Oh, that is. Um, so that was fun. And and I think like all of it come together makes for like a really fun show. And I want to, I sort of want to underline fun because this is also the opposite of like Marvel and the more serious stuff, right? Where like anything world ending or, or anything on a cosmic level is very like dark and dire and you have to do something and there's a lot of like tragedy. This again goes back to like the old school Hong Kong cinema style where there's a lot of comedy. Like even if it's cosmic, even if it's on like a, like a godly level, these things can be very funny. The, the origin stories can come from very small, funny, comedic places and they stuck to it. They didn't lose the, the ha-ha-ness of what they were trying to do. 
I'm glad you mentioned that it's funny because I found that to be the case throughout the show um, that I was basically I just found this such an enjoyable show but not enjoyable mm. in a you need to switch your brain off kind of way nor is it a succession what does this mean what did that guy say it's not that kind of enjoyable either instead it strikes that balance between being yeah it's intellectually stimulating yes storytelling wise it totally works but it's also just really fun and at the end of at the end of each episode, at the risk of sounding kind of corny, you feel kind of nice and fuzzy and warm. Yeah, yeah. But also, since we're talking about like the end without getting uh, into details, did you like the last episode? I wanted to get your thoughts. Mm, I, I liked parts of it very much. Uh, I liked the framing of it, which I thought was very funny mm. um, and very in line with the rest of the show. I... I almost wish, and this is funny to say because I am happy it exists, I want more. I kind of wish almost that it had been a mini-series, but the ending leaves it open for much more than that. Yeah, I wish this was a mini-series also, like a 10-episode, yeah. hour-long yes. thing. Um, I didn't like the last episode. I mm. thought half of the last episode was really nice and really interesting, and that's the one that got me the most. I also felt they did the Marvel slash Star Wars thing where there's way too much CGI and yeah. all of a sudden it's a big spectacle and they're like the fights don't look good. And I thought the production value was a bit down in that that finale, season finale, which is a common theme among all their shows, right? Um, and I felt they dropped the ball just slightly. But I don't know, like how much of the book does the first season cover? Is it just oh, like loose days after this? It's so loose um, and the book is well done. Like... Mm. half of the show or more than no two-thirds of the show are not in the book at all oh yeah. so it's that loose yes yeah so I didn't know what was going to happen um, because there's a I mean we've already said who Wei Chen is uh, I won't repeat it in case you missed it and you somehow want to be surprised but um, in the book for example that's only revealed at the end oh I see yeah okay so no, it's a no, totally I, different thing I think it's easy to put together. Like in the first scene, I kind of got it. I'm like, oh, okay. Ah, but okay, that's this... not what you get in the book at all. Is there material in the book that's enough for season two? Because I mean, no. season two is <laughs> supposed to... Oh, there's not. No, okay. there's nothing. It, they are they are un, in uncharted territories after this. Okay, that makes me a bit worried. I want to see a season two, but it makes me a bit worried. I'm excited for it, um, but... Regardless, would strongly recommend that you watch season one of American Born Chinese. Season two is unconfirmed as yet anyway. Uh, let us know if you've watched it yet or if you plan to. You can send us a WhatsApp. You can send us a tweet. You can also write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.